three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. gentlemen theys and gays this is the real pineapple this is your humble host hunter here hope you're all having a great night day weekend weekday whenever you're checking this out ah, all right i gotta get this over with i have a review for the latest tyler perry movie in a jazz man's blues which is of course written uh directed produced by tyler perry uh he's not starring in it so that's something but this movie stars Joshua Boone, who plays Bayou, uh, Celia Pfeiffer, who plays Leanne. Uh, so, okay, let's just let's just get this out of the way. So, I know that there are people who like this movie. There are people who gave it high scores and felt like Tyler Perry has turned a corner with this movie. And I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna get right to the point, y'all. What does this man have to do for you to realize that the Great Pumpkin is not showing up? (laughs) Like, what does he have to do? Does he just have to come out like Mr. Krabs and go, I'm Tyler Perry. I like money. I would actually respect him if he did that. But, all right, you know what? Before I get into my whole rant about why this is bad, I guess I should probably set up the plot. So, okay. Movie opens up with this old, uh, with this woman who walks into this uh congressional uh not congressional walks into this man's office who's running for congress uh he is a racist bigot piece of shit we see a campaign ad to start the movie with him where he talks about how you know affirmative action is the new is uh welfare uh and i'm just like oh my fucking god seriously um yeah yeah uh, oh no he says uh yeah 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 um Oh my god. See, see, I'm already this flustered anyways, but but she walks in, drops all these letters on, on his desk and goes, there was a murder that happened 40 years ago. So we already know most likely who got killed. So by the way, full spoilers, because I have to talk about all the shit. I, I have to be able to talk about everything in full scope to be able to talk about this movie. So the movie is really told in flashback. And so opens up in Hopeful County. Which uh, back in 1947, we open up with a young uh, Joshua Boone, and I will say <laughs> one thing that just made me laugh right out the gate is, I mean, the brother looks good. I mean, he's a young-looking brother. Pro- I, I I don't know how old the guy is. It doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, he's he looks like 20, like like 26, maybe 27. But he's supposed to be playing someone in this movie who's 17 to start off the movie. Tyler Perry couldn't even think about casting like a young version of this dude. And I just went, y'all, come on. This is just this is just lazy. And this has been my big one of my biggest access to grind with Tyler Perry is that there's just so much laziness from uh, thinking back to a fall from grace where the wigs kept changing and uh, the hairstyles kept changing because they're using different wigs to just some really shitty cuts and direction. I, I just, I don't understand how Tyler Perry is on his 23rd. Will we say that again? Tyler Perry is on his 23rd film. And people are like, well, maybe this is the one where he turns a corner. And 
spoiler alert, it's not. But I'm going to talk about a few things I actually like about this movie before I just start ripping it apart. So, uh, Joshua Boone. There are points in this movie where, as melodramatic as this story is, and my God in heaven is this movie melodramatic, more more melodramatic than usual from Tyler Perry, which is insane, just saying that sentence out loud. I think Joshua Boone and uh, Celia Pfeiffer, in the first 10, maybe 15 minutes or so, there is a point where they're they're starting they're they're getting to know each other early on and it's kind of sweet yes the dialogue that's written for them is tropey and cliche but they do have a chemistry on screen early on where i went okay this is actually kind of weirdly cute as dumb as the movie is in spite of the dialogue it's kind of cute at points uh for the first 15 minutes that was something i have to weirdly admit I was not expecting uh the um oh who plays his mom um uh uh, Hattie uh Hattie Mae who's played by uh Amira Vaughn she plays uh Bayou's mom and I actually liked her in this there she I mean she's playing the light-skinned black woman who's who's just being abused by her husband I don't have her husband's name here doesn't really matter but she she does have a strength to her in the early parts of the film where she's standing up for Bayou. I mean, keep in mind, this is the 40s, after all. And there are these points where she's just kind of telling him, like, you know, you need to be better. You need to be the best version of yourself you can be. Like, it'll be okay. Because the dad in this movie is a fucking piece of shit. Oh, my God. He is fucking terrible. And I'm so sad I can't find the guy's name here. Again, it doesn't really matter. But... He's terrible in this. Oh, it's, uh, I believe it's E. Roger Mitchell, actually. Pardon me. Uh, yeah, it is E. Roger Mitchell who plays uh, Buster. Buster's not in the movie for a, a, a long time. He really kind of shows up for first 15 and then pieces out. But, you know, doing the stereotypical black dad shit, you know, I'm going to talk about how I'm going to talk about Bayou how I want at my, at my own supper table. It's my table. I say it, I say it, I say it. Like, he's doing that shit. And that is where the melodramatic shit really just starts to grate really early on because this movie being set in the 40s this movie could have gone the mississippi burning route in the sense of you could have really had some actual tension and some actual consequences and felt like oh wow this is you know there's a lot of gravity to what's going on here but there the movie is so self-contained in the way that it's really just about bayou and the world just kind of around him being shitty that you don't really see consequences for anyone outside of him so it doesn't even really feel at points like we're in the 40s so it it, it's almost the movie's almost going against itself in that way which is really frustrating for a movie like this because you need to feel the gravity of you know racism because we're in the fucking 40s so as i mentioned the the first part of the story as far as them is is kind of sweet but holy hell, just, uh, oh, by the way, three minutes in this movie, we see a fucking church. It's just like, God damn it. So, <laughs> so, uh, what's her name? Uh, the girl, Leanne. So they call her Bucket because her mom dumped her like a, like an empty bucket, which I was like, damn, that's, that's some shit. Uh, she lives with her, uh, lives with her grandpa, um, who lives in this, you know, just like shack, you know, it's, it's Louisiana in the forties, you know, what the fuck do you want? What I, what I just found very grating 
even early on, before I got into all the other stuff that just irritated me, is that everyone is so shitty to buy you. Even her, when she when they're like starting to talk, like the first interaction they have, she you know kind of goes like, "Why do they call you Buck Bayou?" And she go, "He goes, oh, like sorry, Bucket." And she goes, "Don't you ever call me that again, or I'll never talk to you again." I'm like, "God damn, can every can anyone talk to Bayou without going to from?" To quote Drake, zero to a hundred, real quick. Like, can we can we talk to someone like he's a fucking person? It's it's so weird. And as I mentioned, he's he's supposed to be playing someone who's seventeen to start off the movie. To quote Bad Boys Two, nigga, you look at least thirty. It's absolutely ridiculous that he's playing something someone who's who's supposed to be seventeen. Um, the dad, of course, ends up leaving because we have to get that stereotype in there. You know, the black dad leaves, because of course he does. And Austin Scott, who plays Willie Earl, who is Bayou's brother. Something that just grossed me out about him from Jump is that he's calling him boy and nigger and just being a piece of shit sibling to him from Jump. And so I'm sitting there watching this going, okay, Bayou is not standing up for himself. He's just letting this shit slide. And Tyler Perry being a Christian, it really hammers home one of these things about Christianity uh, portrayed media that pisses me off is that, oh, you're supposed to be forgiving as a Christian, so you're supposed to let people treat you like shit. No, you're, you can be forgiving of people, absolutely, but don't let people just walk all the fuck over you. And Bayou even says that in one of the letters that he ends up writing land, like, you know, maybe I am, you know, maybe I am a coward just letting, you know, people walk all over me. And there's never really a conversation he has with anyone about that it's just about him going like oh well you know what was me you know look at me just being the being the sad negro who can't read or write uh by the way he can't write which i just i rolled my eyes out like a motherfucker and when leanne even asked him like why can't you read he goes oh yeah my brother and dad said that i would never like i don't need to learn how to uh how to read because i'm you know because i'm slow and considering how much his mom loves him She's an incredibly intelligent woman for the brief bits we get of her. So I'm sitting there going, all right, like, are you going to teach him to read or give him like a newspaper or just, you know, write some letters, anything? And that's a loop that I went, you could you could address this. But as I've mentioned, Tyler Perry's not about addressing shit. This is a movie that he wrote, uh, like, I guess before he even got started in the film industry. This is like his first script. And... I'm going to be honest, y'all, this in no way feels like a passion project for him. It just feels like another Tyler Perry movie. Something like For Color Girls, obviously he didn't write that because it's based on the play, but that's directed with more passion and vigor than this is. And I just, I I was sitting there the whole time going, all right, I I don't really know why everyone is thinking like this is so great because it's not. Um... Thankfully, it seems like people have come to their senses a bit because I, I believe it's like a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. So people are obviously kind of going like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't as, as, as great as, you know, as we were kind of hoping it was going to be. But at the same time, a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, which, God, I can't believe it's even that fucking high. But honestly, this is one of those films where I go, considering this time it's set in considering the imagery the racist imagery that at points is in here whether it's a confederate flag whether it's lynching whether it's 
you know, white folks going like, oh, we went through your mail and oh, man, we got to keep these colors in line, like like all that shit, all that imagery, all that talking. And the movie never really gets to the gravity into the darkness of something like that, pun pun kind of intended, that it actually should. And it's so melodramatic. And that's the thing. If Tyler Perry would rein this shit in, this is why he needs a co-writer. But you're not going to get that with him writing his own shit. Tyler Perry's a fucking billionaire. He owns his own his own studio. He has less reason than ever before to actually let someone help him out with his shit. And it's one of those things where I just go, I, I'm, I'm so frustrated because this keeps happening and people act like it's going to change. And I go, yeah, it's not going to change at all. He has no fucking reason to. You know, if you're writing a term paper and your teacher is just giving you A's regardless and you could write my balls are sweaty and that's your term paper and get an A, why would you write a whole fucking term paper? That's what Tyler Perry is at right now. He can just go, well, Medea's in space or Medea's in Europe or whatever. It doesn't matter to him. Tyler Perry is on his 23rd film, not his second, not his third, not even his fifth. He's on his 23rd directorial film. And that's not even including House of Pain and uh, Meet the Browns and uh, Bruh. I, I can't believe that's the name of a goddamn show. Uh, and uh, I think the other one, like Sisters, like all these films that Tyler, uh, all these things that Tyler Perry does, <coughs> he has no incentive to try. He has no incentive incentive to grow because people this is the narrative that is always spun and i will i'm gonna hammer this point fucking home because of where tyler perry came from the fact that he was homeless the fact he wrote these plays and built himself up and turned into this playwright and then this film director and all that that is what everyone goes to everyone immediately goes to the tyler perry pulled himself up from his bootstraps isn't that fucking inspirational oh my god that's so fucking cool tyler perry tyler perry everyone chant with me tyler perry tyler perry that's what all anyone fucking talks about because you can't talk about the quality of his films or his work because it fucking sucks and i don't understand why anyone is surprised that this is just more of the same and i've talked about this in other black directed uh, black directed reviews uh for movies i always talk about the goalpost and how you know and i i I, i'll talk about this in my review for the woman king spoiler alert that's fucking great but i talk about how we have like we as black people just we want to have someone tell our stories the right way and tower perry's done a piss poor job of doing that but one thing that i just find incredibly absurd is how you find something like elvis which I've had people try to tell me it's a good movie. It's not, by the way. And people, you know, move the goal, the goalpost for Elvis because it's fucking Elvis. And no one wants to admit that he was kind of a racist, sexist, uh, right-winging, uh, right-wing, wing-ling piece of shit. There we go. No one wants to have that conversation because it's fucking Elvis and people love Elvis so much. But, you know, something like The Woman King, it's like, oh, it's not historically accurate to the detail. Fuck The Woman King. It's too woke. Blah, 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 blah. You know, that bullshit. That works, in the, that works the opposite as well. We can give black directors way too much rope and not be critical enough of their work. And when Black people are representing us in film, in cinema, in TV shows. 
They need to be held to a standard. And Tyler Perry has not been held to a standard. People just keep going like, well, he's funny. And I, and look, I'll be the first to admit, I see, uh, I saw him in, um, oh God, don't look up. He was hilarious in there. Him and Kate, Kate Blanchett had actual great chemistry. I see Tyler Perry and stuff like don't look up and Star Trek and Gone Girl. And I go, okay, this motherfucker isn't untalented. There is talent there. And it's so maddening that when he's writing for himself and other people, he decides to go ahead and just go to the weak, the lowest common denominator and barely fucking try. And that's what's so maddening about it. Cause do I think this guy, like, I don't think he's a great director, like, or a writer or producer. I don't think he does any of the three jobs, those three jobs well really at all but i think he could do better than this shit and it's just it's one of these things where i go it's not even him wanting to get better or not wanting to get better it's just straight up laziness at this point because he doesn't want to pay higher tier actors he doesn't want to go ahead to have people help him in the writing room he's just like it's just me it's me myself and i and fuck you think about you know companies like hanna-barbera you know, I, I always go to that example or Trey Parker and Matt Stone, you know, like these people who have someone else to bounce them out, to have someone else to bounce fucking ideas off of. And Tyler Perry has none of that because let's face it, unfortunately, he's been successful solo. And so he has even less incentive to actually try or take any criticism of his actual work seriously because this keeps working. And it's one of these things where I just go, y'all, why is, why does no, why does this not piss anyone else off? I feel like Mugatu in the end of Zoolander, where he's reading off how all of Zoolander's looks are exactly the same as Blue Steel. And how everyone's like, what, what? He's like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I feel that Mugatu, because this is how I feel whenever I review a Tyler Perry film. So, okay, let me, let me get into... Uh, okay, so there is a point where, uh, oh, what's her name? The girl, Leanne's stupid racist cunt of a mom, takes her up north and is like, you're not going to see this nigger ever again. Like, like I mean, I can't remember if she says that. She basically says that. And they go ahead and they go, they go away. And she ends up getting married to this racist white guy. And yeah, whole thing. What is interesting, though, is that there's this point in the film where they go ahead and end up through through a hilarious circumstance that even I just wouldn't give me a fucking break. They end up seeing each other again. And we're supposed to be cheering for Bayou and Leanne to get together. We're supposed to be rooting them on. And Leanne is such a selfish cunt. It is unfucking believable. Around the 40 minute mark, she, this movie just starts to spiral in a way that even I was like, I'm impressed that this movie's going downhill as quickly as it is. Because, like I said, for the first 15, 20 minutes, I was like, yes, this is dumb. But this is, but it wasn't Tyler Perry dumb. I was just like, okay, this is this is dumb for most filmmakers, but for him, this is kind of not even reserved, but this is not as bad as it normally is. But in order for me to get behind their relationship, I need to actually see them together or want to see them together. And this movie does a piss poor job as it goes on of making Leanne 
feel like a sympathetic character. She really feels like she's just taking advantage of the fantasy of being with Bayou instead of her actually being in love with him. She ends up marrying that racist white guy, as I told you. Uh, there is this woman who's played by uh, Milana Jackson, who's uh, uh, Sitsi uh, is, is her name. And she is really great friends with Hattie Mae. And this continues a trope with Tyler Perry films, which drives me insane with how the dark-skinned black woman is either abused, uh, well, beaten, that's kind of implied, but abused, beaten, they put everything aside for everyone else to be happy, or they're being abused so much that they go ahead and just basically go, God, like, give me a reason to give them a chance again. And it's like, the black, the dark-skinned black women get so little character development, and we learn so little about Sitsi. We don't know if she has a family. We don't learn about what her ambitions are, or if she wants to, like, you know, maybe not be just a maid for the rest of her life. Like, she's just, she's so hollow and one-dimensional. And considering the weight and gravity of the situation that this movie is trying to convey, everything feels one-dimensional. And it's kind of flabbergasting, because you would think what's basically, you know, Black Romeo and Juliet, you know, injected with more racism, you would actually think that there would be some stakes here, and that we would want to see this all work out. And no, it just it just kind of keeps spiraling in a way that I went, well, cool. This is kind of incredible that you just keep fucking this up. Um, there's a point where uh, Sitsi is cleaning Leanne's kitchen, and Leanne flat out tells her to get on her knees and scrub the floor because she sees Sitsi and Bayou kind of have a moment where she like where Sitsi jumps on her, uh, his back like like a he gives her a piggyback ride and she's fucking jealous even though she's married in this nice house and not you know being treated like a house servant like, like fuck off really and she fucking slapped Sitsi slapped her right across the face and so then Sitsi slapped her back which is one of the few moments in this movie where I went good for you and that's it like that's basically it that's the whole interaction and they just move on like nothing fucking happened and it's one of those things where I go Leanne you're being so fucking selfish and even Hattie Mae Bayou's mom finally calls her out on it but he doesn't call her out on it until like the last 15 minutes of the movie so by then we've been watching this whole thing of Leanne just being a selfish cunt over and over and over again and Bayou at multiple points being like hey you know we can't keep hanging out we can't keep sneaking off to see each other we're I'm gonna go ahead and get lynched or killed or fucking both and she just doesn't fucking care and the thing about Leanne is that she's mixed race. She's, you know, she's white and black. And the movie could have taken the opportunity of being like, man, that's a whole other privilege in itself, being able to, you know, disguise your blackness. And the movie brings it up maybe once and then just never addresses it again. But that's a conversation that if you had a good film writer or screenwriter doing this, you could have delved into that conversation and actually spent some time with it and actually had something to say about it. But the movie just goes, nah, nah, we're good. Um, okay, so there is this, um, so Willie, uh, Bayou's brother, he plays the trumpet. And I, you know, okay, that is one thing I can say. There are two music sequences, or there's one music se uh, sequence in this that I actually really did like. And it starts the movie off. It's within like the first 
uh, five minutes. Uh, what's the song? If you see my rooster, that that's the name of the song. There, there's a little performance of that out in the yard, and you see black folks kind of like dancing, and and that was something that I went, oh, I actually like this. I couldn't believe it, but I actually liked it. And considering that this is a film called a jazz man's blues i would think there would be more jazz in this fucking movie i would think there'd be more jazz performances this is a two hour of long film there are more performances of songs in a fucking episode of glee than there is in this fucking movie and those were better choreographed too and i don't for this being tyler perry's supposed passion project there's so there's such a lack of passion for the music which i just think is absurd and it really undercuts the fact that this is about a fucking jazz man. There is this point later on in the film where Bayou ends up going to Chicago. He escapes to Chicago. And him and Willie are basically in this group. And Bayou is singing. And Bayou, like, Joshua Boone, I don't know who this fucking brother is. Like, I hope you move on the better man. But he's just not a strong singer. I thought he was good. But in no way that I think he was headlining a club sold out shows good like it's very jarring to see all these white people going oh my god you're so good and i went he's a height like he's not this good and the movie just kind of goes like yep shut up it's fine whatever um i i talked about this earlier the whole christian aspect of just letting shit go so Willie ends up getting a drug problem shocker and he ends up compromising the whole musical act and there's a scene where Willie pulls a gun on Bayou. And look, y'all, this is this is no bullshit here when I tell you this. If someone pulls a gun on you, you need to cut them out of your lives. There is no reason to keep them around. They will fuck you over. There is nothing there for you in that relationship. Cut them the fuck out and move on. And the moment that you see that gun, I just went, oh, of course. Of course this is where you're going. Pretty much about 30 minutes in when Willie and Bayou have their first kind of big blow up, I just went, yeah, Willie's fucking toxic, dude. Cut this cut this motherfucker out like a cancer. And then Willie just goes, no, no, he's being a good brother. What he's really doing is enabling him. There's just a point you got to cut people out for, for your own safety and your own sanity. And Bayou never does that. And the movie never has a conversation about why he doesn't do that. And it's so frustrating because he's getting it from his brother, his own flesh and fucking blood. And he's getting it for the woman that he's in love with, who is supposedly in love with him. And again, the movie never calls out Leanne until it's way too late about what a selfish bitch she's being. And it's one of those things I just go, wow, there's really, who am I supposed to be cheering for in this movie? There is a conversation, again, credit where it's due, uh, at the like the 50 minute mark, 50 minutes and four seconds is the timestamp I have for this shot in the movie that I actually really did like. And they have this conversation in a car and I actually thought that conversation, the way it kind of cuts between the two of them and the way that that was shot I actually like that scene. So, see, a compliment. I am capable of giving Tyler Perry a compliment. But holy shit, it's one of these things where I just, the more I think about the movie, the more pissed off I get. And the thing is, I do believe you could, I think Tyler Perry had some ideas in here that if you fleshed out within, I think this movie could have used, and I can't believe I'm saying this, 
if you make this movie two and a half hours and you get a screenwriter who understands how to actually portray the gravity of the time period they're in, like something like Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom is a perfect example of how even though it's, there's like one or two locations in the whole fucking film, you feel like you're in that time period. But watching this, for the most part, I went, I don't feel like I'm in the 40s at fucking all. And it just gets so frustrating at the end of the film for where this movie ends. And I already said no spoilers, or I already said spoilers, so I'm spoiling this shit right now. So, uh, Bayou, he ends up getting hung. He ends up getting hung at the end of the film. And... The film has done so little to portray the seriousness of the time that we're in outside of, of on occasion having, you know, someone white go, oh, man, we got to keep those colors in place or, oh, my God, you let that monkey lay on top of you, you know, shit like that. But as far as the actual racism, like as far as really making you feel like you are in that, that by you is in danger, it never felt it never felt like the film took that seriously enough for me. And. And so when you get to the end of the movie and Bayou gets shot and then hung, I went, wow, you have not done nearly enough to earn this imagery or to in- earn this horrific sight. Because you never hear about any like any other people of color being in danger or anything like that. It just feels like everyone else, like it feels like everyone's just being racist towards Bayou. And that's really shitty the way it comes across, especially for a film that's over two hours. So look, y'all, I, I, I'm done. I just I don't care anymore. Like, and and I say that in the sense of Tyler Perry's not gonna get better. If you really think this is some film where he's turned a corner or he's gonna get better or he's gonna finally wake up and actually go, oh my god, I need to go ahead and start trying. You you're insane. And and I say you're insane because. That is a literal definition of insanity, expecting a different result when you get the same shit. Tyler Perry has no reason to change. He has no reason to try. He's going to keep doing this shit until (coughs) I don't even know. He'll keep doing this until he doesn't want to anymore. And I really hope that there are black men, women, non-binary, however you identify. I hope there are black people who are seeing this shit and the shortcomings he has and goes, okay, I need to be better and not do this shit because my god this shit is just exhausting and i'm just i'm so tired of people trying to make excuses for this dude he's not good at his job let's just call it what it is i mean more spike lee got more shit for his old boy remake than most people have given tower perry throughout his whole career and i have a huge issue with that because spike lee has made some fucking classics i mean fucking the five bloods and black Klansmen alone Tyler Perry doesn't have a film like that in him. Tyler Perry doesn't have a movie like The Woman King in him. I don't think Tyler Perry could do Insecure. He damn sure couldn't do Atlanta. Like, Tyler Perry is just not that dude. And the more that we try to put these expectations on him, the more disappointed you're going to be. So just stop. Tyler Perry is who he's always been. He is a gimmick. A successful gimmick. One that's made him a lot of money, but he is a gimmick. And he will be right back in that wig and dress saying hallelujah right before, like, before you know it. Within the next three years, we will have another Medea movie. It'll be Medea goes to space or Medea joins Black Lives Matter or, or whatever bullshit Tyler Perry wants to peddle to his audience. He'll do it and they'll eat it up and they will make excuses for why it's not dog shit. But I, I'm I'm done, y'all. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know I've said hilariously horrible things about Tyler Perry, but straight up, 
stop trying. Stop thinking that he's going to be one of those directors that's going to go ahead and evolve. Watch Spike Lee's shit. Watch, um, oh my gosh, watch Isa Ray's shit. Watch Donald Glover's shit. Donald Glover is one of the most important people we've had in Hollywood, especially for as a person of color, in the last 30 years. Watch his shit. Don't watch this shit anymore. There's nothing here for you. It's so bad. So go fuck yourself. Just stop. Stop with this. I'm I'm tired. All right. I'm I'm done. I don't want to talk about this anymore. So, you know, I'm not even ask if you've seen it. What what's your favorite cheese? Tell me that in the comments. I don't even want to hear what your favorite Tyler Perry movie is. What's your favorite cheese? I love Swiss. Swiss is fucking great. My partner loves provolone. Yeah. Tell me your favorite cheese. You can follow us on most places you listen to podcasts, uh, Samsung Podcasts, Google Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitch iHeart Radio, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneUp, at The Real Pineapple. Don't forget to follow me on Letterboxd at Black Shazam. You can like both pages for The Real Pineapple at The Real Pineapple, R-E-E-L, Pineapple, and Real Pineapple Games. Follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash jhunter. Real Pineapple, I'll be hopping on there in October, streaming Resident Evil 4. I'm really excited to do that. And you can follow me on, uh, oh my gosh, TikTok at BlackShazam775. And you can find all my reviews. If you don't feel like just subscribing, you can find all my reviews at the Nevada Film Critics Society website, which is NevadaFilmCriticsSociety.com. I'm right there under member reviews. Look up all my stuff. It's all right there. But everyone, thank you so much for listening. We'll have reviews up here for The Woman King, as well as Hocus Pocus 2 coming out the pipeline. Uh, we are starting the real spooky series here on October 1st. I'm going to have a review up for The House of the Clock and Its Walls, all the Scream films. Got some good stuff coming down the pipeline for y'all. But everyone, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. Wear your mask. Take care of each other. Get your booster shot. And we'll talk to you soon.